Mac Power Users, episode 448, iOS 12 and the Apple event. back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside with David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm well. So we have a, a lot to talk about. It's September. It is Apple season. Some would say that it's silly season, but uh, we've got some new Apple goodies and um, we now have more information about the new iPhones, the new Apple Watches and iOS 12. Yeah, we're recording this on the evening of the Apple announcement on September 12th. And this is coming out several days later. We are definitely going to talk about the new phones and watches. I'm I'm super stoked. I always love Apple announcement day. So that's yeah, just me. But the... Um, uh, so we're not going to go into great detail, like fine detail, like some of the podcasts that are going to release this afternoon. Uh, instead, what we're going to do with today's show is we're going to cover iOS 12. We've both been using the beta. Uh, as you listen to this, um, the new version of the uh, iOS 12 is coming out tomorrow, <laughs> the day after the show releases. So you can listen to this show, follow along at home, and uh, just get the most out of iOS 12. And obviously, because we're recording on the same day as the Apple event, we know that we won't be the first out the gate. I, I, I think we will uh, throw in some uh, um, some sprinkles from the Apple event and and talk about um, how iOS 12 all fits in uh, with the new hardware announcements that Apple has has brought out. Um, and I think because we're talking about iOS, we're going to also talk about watchOS as well. Certainly, because Apple talked about the watch too. And uh, so we're going to do the hardware stuff at the end. I think the software stuff is more important because software stuff affects everybody. Everybody that wants a new, uh, everybody has an iPhone already. Whether you're getting a new one or not, you're getting iOS 12. Um, before we get there, a couple announcements. Uh, today, during the event, um, just on a lark, last night I um, posted in the forum, I, placed a, I put a place for us to kind of live um, post concerning the event while it was going on. I was in there with 20 or 30 listeners of the show, and it was a lot of fun. And this was with no preparation or planning or announcement, but uh, we had a great time. And I just wanted to share that with everyone, because next time there's a big Apple event, which is probably next month, because we didn't hear anything about iPad today. Uh, we're going to do this again with a little more planning. And um, I recommend it because it's a fun, safe place for everybody to talk about their excitement about what's happening and and uh, throw shots to when they feel like it. So that was fun. And uh, the second thing is, Katie Floyd, I have a brand new field guide. <laughs> um, so you're still calling them field guides. Is, is it a video field guide? Is it a, a what, what's the new name for them now? Do they have a new name? Yeah, I, you know, I bemoaned all of this on the free agents as I made a switch in my business model, but I'm not no longer making iBooks author books, although I am updating them. Like the iPhone field guide is getting an update. I'm submitting that to Apple as soon as it's approved. So hopefully by the time the show comes out, but certainly within a week of the time the show comes out, if you bought the iPhone field guide, there's an update with stuff in there about iOS 12. So that's a free update. Just go into the iBooks app and download. So I'll continue to do that. But going forward, Everything I'm going to do is going to be a video-based product or a, a course, a video course. So as I talked about in the last episode, I set up this great website called learn.maxsparky.com. And uh, we had a ton of new people sign up after last show published. Thank you, everybody who did. If you haven't, I recommend going and checking it out because there's a bunch of free stuff there. But I also have paid courses. And uh, as soon as Series Shortcuts came out, I knew I wanted to do a course on Series Shortcut. I did the uh, markdown, I'm sorry, I did the workflow field guide 
years ago. And I felt like in hindsight, it wasn't enough. You know, uh, it was only an hour long and there was just a lot that it was fairly soon after workflow release. And there's been so many changes to it. So I wanted to really cover it right. And the brand new field guide is called the Siri shortcut field guide. And it is three hours and it's got 40 videos in it. And whether you've never used it before or whether you're already a pro user, I think there's something in there for you. I'm very excited about learning all about the Siri shortcuts. I have been on the um, the standard beta, the public beta. I know you are a developer, so you've had access to Siri shortcuts um, longer than I have. So I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I've been in deep. And the nice thing about the Siri shortcut field guide is with this new platform, I have the ability to give uh, the uh, the readers or viewers, I guess you'd call downloadable content. So everything I build and I build a lot of shortcuts through the three hours of this course um, is downloadable. So you can watch the video. And then if you're on your iPhone or your iPad, you just push the button and it downloads the Siri shortcut right to your Siri shortcut app. So you can, you know, basically cheat, take home the test and, uh, and work from there, or you can build it yourself. I recommend you build some of them yourself. I think that's how you learn to do this stuff. But uh, it's a great course. It's got real basic stuff, but then it kind of goes through each category. Like if you want to make calendar uh, automation, these are the the best tools for that. If you want to make map automation, if you want to do music automation, I've got a separate video for each category of thing you want to do. And then I've got advanced stuff like programming concepts, like variables and magic variables and if statements. And then at the end, I take on some really cool kind of longer workflows and I build them for you from scratch and show you why I do every step of it. And those are workflows you can just download and use yourself. But if you watch me make them, you'll probably come up with some ideas how to make your own. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm... I know I'm, I guess, self-promoting a lot here, but I actually am truly excited about this this thing. And I really hope a lot of people use Siri shortcuts because I feel like the more of us that use it, Apple will pay attention. That was told to me by some people on the Siri shortcut team, by the way. They, Apple's looking to see how many people use this stuff. And the more people that use it, the more resources they get to make it better going forward. Well, I'm excited to see what you've done. And, and so that's available now that people can go check out, right? Yeah, it's um, the pricing has changed a little bit. Um, it was quite expensive and everything to get all this video stuff set up. But so the pricing is $29, but there's an introductory price of $24. So, and I definitely keeping it open for the Mac power users, listeners to get that $24 price. So it's going to be open for a little while. I don't want to say how long, cause I'm not sure exactly. I got to figure that out as we record this. I haven't decided, but it'll be open long enough for you to get it at the $24 price. And uh, so just head over to learn.maxsparky.com. It's right there. It's the first course now. Um, or if you want to go directly to the URL, it's learn.maxsparky.com slash Siri. All right. So we're going to talk about iOS 12. We know some stuff. We know pretty much most of the things now. Uh, it's coming September 17th. Um, that's, I think, uh, today, depending on when, when you download the show. Maybe maybe it was a couple of days ago. What um, you've been using iOS twelve, I think, since the day it dropped, right? No, not well. It was very close. We didn't you get it at WWDC? Uh, you and I recorded a show. I was at WWDC, and I said, "Well, I'm going to wait for the public beta." And I think within about four hours of that, I had it installed. <laughs> So I don't know what to say. I, everybody at WWDC was saying, "Dave, it's okay. It's stable. You're fine. Go go for it." And I just did it. Next year, I would say I'm not going to do that. But you know what? I'm going to do that again. 
right. Well, I I waited until I think the second public beta came out, but uh, needless to say, I've been I've been using it for quite some time. Uh, it has been for for the most part. Uh, pretty stable. I, I would say it's probably been one of the more stable uh, iOS betas that I've used. I, I did have like some springboard crashing with some of the, the early betas, but for the most part, it's been pretty rock solid. Uh, I suspect that um, uh, either we're using the GM now as we record this, or we'll get one more build that uh, that is the GM or, or close to it. Um, but in in terms of features and all that we're using, it it is a nice upgrade. Maybe not as revolutionary as as the iOS 11 upgrade was for the iPad, but it is a nice upgrade. Yeah, I mean, with iOS 11, they totally changed the way you deal with files, which was massive, and the multitasking stuff. This is definitely what I would call a more subtle um, uh, upgrade. But there's there's three major things in here we're going to cover in the show. Siri shortcuts, which I've already started, you know, yammering about. And then the notification changes are, I think, significant, as well as um, the lock screen and the um, the do not disturb stuff. I, I agree that those are um, some of the biggest changes. Uh, I'm glad you didn't say like Memoji or Animoji, because then I would have just had to hang up the call right now. Yeah, I didn't put that in the outline, but we can just just let's just forget everything and just talk about Animoji for an hour. <laughs> no. Um, so oh, wait, wait, I have to say something, gang. Katie Floyd has sent me an Animoji. I, I did. Yes. It, it made my day. It just warmed the cockles of my heart. I believe it was an angry Animoji, wasn't it? No, it was sweet. You were smiling. I, I'm going to screenshot it and I'm going to make it my ringtone for you. It's a great, Katie, you look great as an Animoji. It looks good as you. You did it. And it looks like you, too. You, you did a good job. You know, a lot of time, you know, I do it when I do it. I think I look more handsome than I am in real life because, you know, what are you going to do? All right. Let's start about see how I'm changing the subject now. Let's talk about Siri shortcuts. Um, you have had a lot more experience. Actually, you've had complete more experience with Siri shortcuts than I have because I am not on the developer beta. Um, you actually not only have to be on the developer program, but you have to be specifically invited to the Siri shortcuts beta. Uh, you know all about Siri shortcuts. You've got a lot of experience from using workflow. So first off, how comfortable are those of us who uh, use and love workflow going to be with Siri shortcuts when we finally get access to it? Uh, according to my um, timing app here, I'm just looking. I spent 68 hours making the Siri shortcuts field guide. So <laughs> I've spent a lot of time with Siri shortcuts. Uh, it, no, it's it's great. If you've used workflow, this is a seamless process. You open up Siri shortcuts, it imports all your shortcuts. There's there's a couple wrinkles to that, and we'll talk about that later. But I think before we even get into the Siri shortcuts app, um, there is a lot of confusion as to what Siri shortcuts is because uh, Apple has this terrible habit of making one name for multiple products. You know, my favorite, you know, whipping boy on this is iCloud. You know, iCloud could be the way that you uh, sync your contact data or it could be where you store your files. It's like iCloud is like anything on the internet to Apple. And um, Siri shortcuts is kind of the same thing because um, there's multiple kinds of Siri shortcuts. The first is what I settled on calling system shortcuts. And this is a brand new thing. So let's just talk about that first before we get to the Siri shortcuts app. Um, system shortcuts are where, you know, Siri using machine learning is watching what you're doing on your phone. And that's not as creepy as it sounds because it's just watching, it's not sharing that to the cloud, but it's watching. It says, for instance, every evening around bedtime, David opens Apple News. 
which is something I do. I sit in the iPad, um, read the news at the end of the day. And the, um, and then all of a sudden it starts realizing I do that all the time. So it starts making suggestions to me, you know, do you want to open Apple news? And so series shortcuts will track things like that. Or I even got one the other day because I, my daughter doesn't live with us anymore. And once in a while I just check up on her to see if she's okay by checking her location. And suddenly it realizes I do that enough that it said, oh, I noticed that you are checking Sam's location. Would you like to make a series shortcut for that? And what that means is you can open that up and make it a common task that's repeatable. You can even go in and give it its own Siri command. And all you have to do is press the red button and say, you know, whatever, find Sam. And then it's going to run that Siri shortcut that opens up the location and finds Samantha's location. Make sense? Yep. Okay, so that's the tool, but then there's another level to it because how do you find that? You know, where do you find the recommendation to actually do it? Um, the whole idea, I think, from Apple is we want to bring this to people that don't listen to Mac power users. You know, bring it to normal people. How do we expose this stuff to them? And the way they do that, there's three ways. Um, the first is, and the uh, the most populated version is still. Un, you know, not going to be found by most normal people. It's if you go in the settings app on your iOS 12 phone. So if you just downloaded iOS 12, go in settings, scroll down and you'll see Siri. There's a Siri entry in there. Click that. And then you'll see there's three options. It's, it's got the three most common things you've been doing that it's offering to you as Siri shortcuts. So, but then there's a button below that that says show more. And if you tap that, then there's a whole list of them. You know, they show up for drafts. They show up for Safari. And a whole bunch of third-party apps are tying into this as well. I'm going to talk in a minute about how that happens. But there's a, there's a basically a laundry list of these series shortcuts available to you in the settings app. That's the place to find the most of them. So if you're an MPU listener, that's the place to start. Go there. Have you checked out on your phone, Katie? Are you getting a lot of those recommendations? Well, you know, keep in mind, I don't have Siri shortcuts. No, it doesn't um, matter. But uh, no, you, I understand. But I am getting recommendations and sometimes they don't always make sense. Like, so right now, um, ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe it should cause you to rethink your, um, your phone usage based on the recommendations you get. But right now I am getting a recommendation to, um, see the news stories from today, um, and I'll regularly get um, um, recommendations if, when I start typing in Spotlight, like when I start typing the. Yeah, I was, I'm gonna. That's next. The that's first the second letter or something. Yeah, yeah. that's the second level. Yeah, but but the first one is you go in that settings app, and you can go in there, and and even if you don't want to download or play with the Siri shortcuts app at all, this gives you a way to automate those most frequently used tasks that you do. And if you tap on any one of them, there's a little plus sign next to it. You can. There's a red button. You tap that. You can add a voice command. Then you can access any of that from Siri. And that those Siri commands go over to your watch into your HomePod as well. Um, so it's really that. So that's the entry level. So so the first way that's exposed is in the settings app. Now the second way that gets exposed is exactly what Katie just said. If you go to the search bar, you will see now Siri shortcut recommendations showing up when you go to search. And that's what's going to get to normal people because everybody goes to the search bar at one point or another. And it's going to expose things that they do often. I mean, Siri is looking for the stuff you do most often. It's looking for when you do it. You know, it's going to use all that machine learning they keep yammering on about. And it's going to give you some good recommendations. And you can either just tap on it to make it happen, which is nice, or you can add a voice control for it. And that's the one that I think is going to get normal people. And then... 
the third way you get it, and I only saw this happen two times in the beta, so I don't know how liberal, if Apple's going to make this more liberal, but they can also make recommendations to you on the lock screen. Yeah, me too. And the only way of the only context I've seen it in is phone calls. Like when we were recording Mac Power Users last week, my wife called and I declined the call because I was working with Katie. And as soon as I um, uh, hung up the call, did my post-production stuff and picked up my phone, it said, do you want to call Daisy back? And, you know, knew she was my wife, knew that I always take her calls or whatever. For whatever algorithm they run, decided that was important enough to put on the lock screen for me. What have you seen on the lock screen? I'm I'm trying to think about what I've seen on lock screen. I definitely have seen um, return calls. I've seen calendar appointment, not just calendar appointments like um, uh, like you have a calendar appointment coming up on the lock screen, but to uh, like create an appointment. I think for something I've seen on the lock screen, I've definitely seen things related to calendars and to reminders pop up on the lock screen. Well, so that's so. Just before we get into the series shortcuts app, the point I want to get across is the system shortcuts are great because a lot of these are things you can't even do with the series shortcuts app. Like you can't get into find friends in the series shortcuts app, uh, but you can do it with the system events. And I recommend um, not only for yourself, but for your non nerdy friends to encourage them to try some of that stuff because it is the tasks that they are doing repeatedly and maybe it can help them out. Now the icing on the cake of this is when we flip over to the next level, the next level of series shortcuts is a, is an application that used to be called workflow. And um, in that application, you can also expose those system events that are recommended in Siri Shortcuts and use them in um, Siri Shortcuts app or, you know, formal, the former workflow app. So what that means is things that were never possible in workflow, like, for instance, find a person on a map or, you know, go to a very specific website or start a very specific podcast. Um, those things are now going to show up in the workflow app. I'm sorry, in the Siri shortcuts app that you can add to a workflow that is repeatable. So suddenly you can program those system level events into your automation. Did I explain that? Well, I think so. I think people under, I, I think if people are familiar with workflow, they, they know what you mean, but why don't you give us some examples of the type of system level events that they have access to? Because Android users have been able to program and automate system level events for years. Apple has always been a little more locked down with these things. Yeah. Well, okay. So by system, system events, I'm talking about all the recommendations from Siri. I've got a uh, resume a podcast I've got create a an appointment with my dentist because I just did that. Uh, all the clock automation, which you can't do in um, Siri Shortcuts app, like I can set alarms, edit my bedtime, a bunch of stuff I've done in drafts, um, find my daughter, health data information, which was also never available, uh, specific mail, maps, sending messages, um, Apple News stuff, Apple Notes, OmniFocus uh, creation, Overcast, you know, Overcast podcaster uh, stuff, make telephone calls, view photos, um, and run specific shortcuts. So it's kind of meta, you know, shortcuts and shortcuts, uh, or record a new voice memo. That's just the stuff showing up right now. Now, this is recorded several days before um, iOS 12 releases. To Apple just announced they want developers to submit their iOS 12 apps. And I don't have a lot of, I have some betas, but I don't have a lot of betas. So for a lot of these apps that I've got 
uh, that haven't tied into series shortcuts, they are going to be in the next few days. By the time you listen to the show, you're going to have even more third-party categories of apps like, like, um, you know, weather apps and things like that. I mean, traditionally in workflow to use a weather app, you had to go use an API to go to like, um, darksky.net and have an API key. And it was just completely nuts the way you got weather data where now it's just going to be a system event that you can grab. Now that's a, uh, in addition to that, there's also the system stuff like controlling brightness and things like that, that I'll talk about in a minute. Um, uh, and I, I guess uh, just to continue that thought, and I know I've been talking a long time, the, um, uh, the way this happens behind it all is that the, the, the application um, developers have the ability to put hooks in their apps that Siri can latch onto to get special things out. And there's, there's two ways they do that. There's the user activity API, which is really simple. When I was at WWDC, I saw a session where it essentially was a couple lines of code and you can do it for different things your app does and people can find it. And then there's also uh, the traditional Siri kit stuff where you can really make, uh, you can pass variables and have custom dialogues and really make it special. So depending on how much time and energy the developer puts into it, you could have a lot of availability to these system events. Have you seen anything, and I realize we're going to start to get a lot of apps now updated in the next few days once Apple releases the Golden Master. Um, have you? Uh, it's, it's out now, by the way. It's just so you, I'm not sure if you saw the news, but it's out. Yeah. Right, but um, we're going to start to see a lot of app update. At some point, Apple's going to call for developers to go ahead and submit their updates. Have you started to see any new things show up, um, maybe as developers have been putting stealth updates in place? I mean, just like I'm on the drafts beta, so I'm, I've been seeing stuff from them the whole time. But the, um, uh, you know, it's all going to happen right after we finish recording the show. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, just the news as we start recording the show is Goldmaster is out and please submit your IS-12 app. So I'm going to start seeing it all soon here. All right. Before we move on to the Siri Shortcuts application, I want to talk about our first sponsor. And that's our friends over at Timing. Timing is an application that makes automatic time tracking super easy on Mac OS. In fact, in the last segment, when I was talking about uh, how much time I'd spent building this new field guide, I knew exactly the amount because of this timing app. <laughs> how do you like that, Katie? Um, so uh, t- tracking your time is very useful. I mean, having a good idea of how much time you spend building things or you know where you're having your time sucks. But the problem with time tracking is most of them require you to flip a switch. I tried to run toggle for the longest time. And the problem is I would find out that I would have like my workout would last 200 hours because I'd forget that I'd started the timer and then I'd have a bunch of bad data. And uh, what you really need is a system that can just do it for you automatically uh, with timing I get great data. Like when I open ScreenFlow or when I'm doing QuickTime video stuff or Final Cut, I know exactly what I'm working on. And timing keeps that down to the second for me. You just go ahead and set your categories. You rate your productivity and it learns from you. You can kind of teach the app what you're doing and what's more important and what's not. And it gives you that stuff, you know, for free. And it's just done. I love it. Um, so for anyone billionaire hours, this might seem a little obvious, but even if you're, uh, if you're employed or billing per project, you still need to estimate how long it takes to finish a specific tack. 
task. And time tracking helps you stay on track with those estimates to make sure you don't end up in the red with your projects. And that can help you make a more accurate estimate. So, so timing does that. Like I said, it just takes track of the time for you. And it shows you exactly when you are working and on what. And when you slacked off, if you fall into Twitter for a half hour, you get to see that right in front of your face later, which is a great motivation not to do that again. And um, then you get to see how productive you are. And it doesn't just happen at your Mac. That's why um, time timing's timeline automatically makes suggestions for filling in gaps in your timeline. Like one of the things I do with, I, I use timing every day is I'll take a break once in a while, you know, I'll um, go water the garden and then I'll come back and timing says, Hey, I just noticed you were gone for 15 minutes. What were you doing? I type in gardening, it logs that time and I'm good. And I'll say that this app is makes it very easy to add time when you're away from your Mac. Like if I go for a walk in the morning before I start working, it's just one click and drag to get that time reported into timing. I like it so much that I've just given up on Toggle. You know, I, I was Toggle is paying like a lot of money a year to them to have all those web features. And I decided timing does a better job for me. The, the time that I track on the Mac is way more accurate. So uh, it's really great. And they have an automatic sync feature now, which will work across your Macs. Or even if you just have one Mac, it's a great way to back up your data. So I couldn't recommend this app more. I use it every day. Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach. They have a totally free trial. Download the 14-day trial today by going to timingapp.com slash MPU. Once again, that's timingapp.com slash MPU. They love MPU listeners. Uh, there are a lot of MPU listeners that are purchasers of this product, and you save 10% when you purchase. So stop guessing how you spend your time, and instead focus on doing what you're good at. We thank Timing for all of their support of their show and keeping David sane. Okay, so we were talking about uh, Siri shortcuts and specifically some of the third-party applications and all those things that would be coming out now. Um, what are you excited to see after all of the new apps launch and after the um, after we start to see the Golden Master and all the developers pop out their updates? Yeah, so so the Siri shortcuts app, which is the former workflow, what I'm excited about this is we've got way more power now. Not only do we have all that system event stuff I just spent the last time talking about but you also have access to the system like you can turn the flashlight on you can check the brightness and you can change the brightness um you know one of the um workflows i talked about in the uh, in the course is you know what do you do when you get on an airplane why don't you push a button and have it you know turn off the radio for you turn down the volume lower the brightness so you save your battery and do all those things at once and you can tie all that together with a voice command now it's just, it's crazy how much more powerful it gets when it went inside Apple. I mean, we were all afraid when Apple bought Workflow that they were going to can it or, or you know, you know, remove a lot of the functionality out of it, but they didn't. They made it better. So I, I'm really excited to see what everybody in the community does with this. You know, now that we have these powerful tools, what are they going to come up with? I mean, when they first announced the voice commands, I don't know who it was, but was it maybe it was Katie? I don't know, but somebody on the internet wrote, "Wouldn't it be great if I said Lumos and my phone's flashlight turned on like in Harry Potter?" Yeah, that was one of our MPU listeners, I think, wrote in that. That's a one-step automation, but it's brilliant, and of course, I automate. I put it in immediately, and it's so fun to pick up my phone and say the magic word Lumos and have the flashlight turn on. Who doesn't love that? 
but it, it can go so much deeper. You know, like one of the things I did in the guide is I built a whole date calculator app because I wasn't happy with any of the ones I could get in the app store. So I just made one and you can make applications with Siri shortcuts, or you can just make it turn the flashlight on when you say something fun. And um, for people that want to learn how to use this stuff, it's going to really unlock what they can do with their phone. So any other um, uh, system events that you're excited about? Uh, well, I mean, system events being the stuff that shows up automatically, I think I I don't know what I'm going to be excited about because I don't know what all the app developers are going to bring in. I think we, we have a bunch of uh, Christmas presents left to open on that. But um, in terms of the system control in uh, Siri shortcuts, you've got them all. I mean, not only can you monitor the system status of your iPhone, you can also report back like you can make one that tells you what your battery level is uh one of the ones i built for the course is was my copy of jarvis you know where i say you know magic term you know status report and it tells me its battery level it's it's brightness level it tells me the day you know it just gives me a bunch of information about its status and what's going on in my day it can read calendar events to me and all that's done through a simple series shortcut. So, I mean, how far can we go with this stuff, Katie? It's going to be great. I'm really excited to be able to build my own based on certain apps. And I know developers have to build in support for this. I, I can't wait to see what Overcast does with Siri shortcuts because I love Overcast as my podcast app. It's probably the most used app on my phone. But the big advantage right now that Apple Podcast has over Overcast is that Siri is built in and you can from your voice say, you know, play this playlist or play this particular podcast. So I think if Overcast can be able to build in stuff like that, um, it's it's going to take a big um, a big step forward in those types of things. I hope that um, and, I, and I don't hold out a lot of hope, but I hope that, for example, like my Nest thermostat would be something that I could um, automate with Siri shortcuts. Now, I think Apple and Google may not have the best relationship. So as a result, Nest may intentionally decide not to create a Siri shortcut to let me control my thermostat because um, Nest currently isn't HomeKit compatible. But I think that would be an easy workaround to to maybe not add full HomeKit compatibility. But let me do some simple stuff with Siri shortcuts like turn it on or set it to a particular temperature or, or set it to a favorite temperature or something like that. On, on that one, I can tell you, I, I have a Nest thermostat as well, and it has has never shown up in the um, system events during the beta. And it would, to, to do what they need to use the user activity API, which once again, it is literally just a few lines of code. But they may just out of spite not do it. Yeah, that's true. I'm seriously considering getting a new thermostat because I work upstairs in an office all day, which is in the hottest part of the house. And the thermostat downstairs thinks it's nice and cool. And it's, it's quite warm up here. I'm thinking about upgrading to get one of those with the, you know, second thermostat, if that makes sense. Second sensor. You know, um, Nest has that. You can buy one now. But if I do it, I'm just going to upgrade to a home kit one so I can automate it. Well, I know, but you can just buy a sensor for your Nest. Oh, can you? And they're oh, cheap. I'll have to look yeah. into that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I know you'd like to buy one just that's HomeKit No, I, I don't want to buy one because the stuff we're going to talk about at the end of the show is going to cost me a bunch of money. I got to save money. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I get it. Like, it, it, it's, But I think we're just on the cusp of really impressive automation. We've never had great automation on iPhone and iPad with workflow. It was much better than it had been before. But now with Apple getting in the game, 
I am like so optimistic for this stuff. And like, there's some things I can do with automation on the iPhone and iPad that I can't do on the Mac, which I never thought I'd be able to say that. So are we, uh, anything else you want to talk about with shortcuts or automation or do you want to, can we move on and talk a little bit about, um, other things? Yeah, let's move on. I mean, the, the, I, I we're not done with this topic of shortcuts on the show. Let's just—I mean, we're Mac Power users. We're going to get into some deep shortcut stuff in the future. But right now, it's out there, and I hope that people listening are enthusiastic about it and give it a try because it really can uh, up your game. So, one of the biggest changes that you—it's almost a stealth change because it happens, and then you forget—it's so good that you forget that it was bad before um, are the notification changes. And one of the little changes that is a huge change that Apple made with iOS 12 is now it will group notifications by app. So if you've got a bunch of emails or a bunch of text messages and you're getting notifications for those things uh, on your lock screen, that those are now grouped together. And it's a it sounds like a little change, but it's a little change that makes a whole difference. Yeah, they. I mean, they had something like this a few years ago, and then it came out, and now it's back, but it's better the way it works. So when you, like, drag down your notification center, you, if you have text messages, you'll have a group of them. And you can go into them, or you can delete them all at one time. Um, it's, it's just way better. The first time you see it, you're going to immediately realize that you like it. Um, other things you can do is it's now very easy to dismiss notifications on on the lock screen. It's a whole lot easier to, to manage notifications individually. It's not kind of this, this all or nothing thing. Um, I, I do that a lot. Um, I've done a pretty good job because we've talked about extensively on Mac power users about, uh, what, what is it you call it? Wrangling your notifications. So I, I tend to not see a lot of notifications, but when you, when you, if you haven't done such a good job, Apple has made it a lot easier to do that because anytime you do see a notification, you can swipe and get some additional options, which include deliver this quietly so you don't get continue to get uh, buzzed or, or notified of it. Or you can also um, go in and immediately make changes to the notifications so that you don't have to see it. I think Apple calls this instant tuning. And the problem is, yeah, you know, I, I made a joke on the show, a semi joke that, you know, you need to sit on the toilet and figure out your notifications. I think I, I think I really made Katie mad at me that day. It was just a little crude. It, yeah, it was. crude. <laughs> but either way, the, the fact is, it takes like a bunch of time to go in and figure out your notification settings. You've got to, um, you know, you've got to go to the settings to the notifications and you've got to select each app. And then there's a bunch of options and you got to pick which options does this one get and that one get. And it does take a long time. So a lot of people just don't even fight that battle. And then instead they just get, you know, hundreds of notifications a day. But now when you get one, all you do is swipe it to the right. And then there's a button there called manage. And from manage, like Katie said, you can just say the nuclear option, turn it off entirely. Like the other day, I got a notification from a game. I don't know. I don't even remember installing this game. But now all of a sudden, this game is sending me notifications. Swipe right, hit manage, turn off. And then it saved me all that trouble of having to dig through the settings to, to nuke that one out. But they also have what Katie said called deliver quietly. And deliver quietly is kind of smart, I think. It, it does... Um, a couple things. It 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 turns off the batch. It turns off the alerts, so you don't get the alerts popping in, and it turns off the sounds. So when you say deliver quietly, what that means is it's not going to ever interrupt you again. 
Instead, when you go to the notification center by swiping down, it's going to be there. So if there's a, a category of app where, yeah, I do want to see notifications from that, but I don't want it tapping on my shoulder every five minutes, just tap the deliver quietly button. And before to do that, you had to go find the app in the settings, find three different switches to throw for every app you want to do. Now it's just one swipe and two taps and you're done. And I think that's really great. Have you been using that? All the t- Well, again, I don't have a ton of notifications to wrangle, so I haven't been using it as much, but I definitely have to, to quietly deliver some. Yeah, like I, I've done that for like some, uh, some fo- shared photo gallery uh, that I'm on. You know, I, I just I like seeing those notifications come in, but I don't want to be interrupted for them. And uh, it really helps me, you know, get that stuff down. And if everybody just goes through their notification list and swipes right on it now, you can very quickly manage those notifications. I'm going to try. I don't want to promise this, but I'm going to try and do an updated screencast on that because I want to put one in the update to the iPhone field guide, too. If, if so I'm going to make it publicly available and put it in the link um, for this show. If it's not in there, then it'll be out a day or two after the show publishes, because I think this is something that people could use a video on. Um, in addition, you know, there's multiple levels to this. In addition to changing the way you can modify and review and and um, and tune the notifications, they've Apple's also simplified the way that they show up. So uh, it was kind of confusing with prior versions of iOS 12. Now, if you want to see your notifications, you just swipe down once the phone is unlocked. But when you're on the lock screen, if you swipe up, you get to see the um, the, the the new stuff that came in. Has this changed the way you use notifications, Katie? Um, I don't think it's changed the way that I use notifications, but I think it's made the way that I interact with notifications better. What about you? Um, no, I think it's, it's allowed me to further tune because even though I, you know, I, I preach all the time that you need to spend a half hour fixing this, um, now you can fix it much faster. And I had a couple apps that slipped through the cracks on me. You know, I am always installing new apps and I am so optimistic every time I install a new app, I think it's going to change my life and I want to give it all these permissions. And very quickly, I realized that's a mistake. They also have this thing called provisional notifications, which sounds a little uh, ugly when you first hear about it. That That's where an app developer can send you notifications without you approving it. Isn't that a terrible idea? Yes, it's a bad idea. Okay, so what it is, it's, it's for certain categories of apps. Uh, this was something that people were talking to me about at WWDC, and it's still, I didn't say anything till now because I thought it might come out, but it stayed. And uh, certain apps can give you uh, notifications that go directly to Notification Center with no alert. And so that they never will tap you on the shoulder. But um, the when you get a provisionally notified, when you have provisional notifications attached to an app, the very first time they send you one, you will get an alert that says, we're about to do this. Do you want us to do it or not? And you can say no. And you can opt out right there. So it's not the end of the world. I've only, I haven't seen it much. I think I saw it in one app through the beta process and I don't remember what it was. But if you get one of those alerts from an app that you hadn't enabled notifications on and you're not interested, make sure to press the no button. And on the flip side of that, if they did get through and they are showing up, you will only see them in notifications center. just swipe right and do manage. And you can either, um, you can delete it at that point. 
if you say when the app first pops up and says, can this app send you notifications? If you say no, then can they still send you this, this uh, provisional notification? Nope. Nope. They're off the list. That's, that's probably why I don't see it because I almost never say yes when an app says me that. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Smile Software and the fine folks who make PDF Pen. So PDF Pen is your one-stop shop for editing all of your PDF documents. You can learn more by heading over to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro offer all the standard PDF editing tools that you've come to know and love, and a whole lot more. You can manipulate PDFs in ways you've never imagined. You can add signatures and text and images to your PDFs, something that I do all the time. Have you ever created a document, exported it to PDF, you're ready to send it out, you're giving it one more look over, and you realize that there's a typo, just one little typo? Well, that's not a problem because with PDF Pen, you can correct that right on the go, whether you're on your Mac or your iPhone. You can also scan OCR documents. You can fill out forms, export to Microsoft Word, and a whole lot more. And brand new version 10 of PDF Pen offers a whole new slew of advanced features to help you power through your PDFs. This includes an ability that I've been looking forward to for a long time, which is the ability to add text and image watermarks um, to all of your documents in batch. This is important if you're creating documents in draft that you want to send to clients or you just want to batch watermark files um, and send them to people. It's a good way to, to make sure that you're going to protect your stuff. Uh, PDF Pen Pro 10 offers batch OCR. So we talk about how important it is to OCR your documents so that you can now do fun stuff with them with all this fancy automation we have. Well, with PDF Pen Pro 10, it has never been easier to OCR all of your documents, so you can always take advantage of these amazing features. And with all of the power of PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro on your Mac, you can take almost all of this power with you to go with PDF Pen for iOS. PDF Pen for iPhone and iPad is also available, and it will help you take the power of PDF Pen and put it right in your pocket. So again, you can do things like uh, add text, Add, drop your signature is probably my favorite thing to do on the go with my iPhone when I get a contract or something that I need to sign. I can just pull it out of mail, pop it open on my iPhone, grab a signature, grab something else, pop it on the PDF, and then send it right back to go, all from the palm of my hand, and boom, never had to stop and open up a PDF on a computer. You can learn more about PDF Pen by heading over to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. You can try new version 10 for PDF Pen today. And when you try it, please make sure you tell them that the folks over at Mac Power Users sent you. Again, smilesoftware.com slash podcast. And thanks to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power Users. Katie, uh, another new feature in iOS 12 or an enhanced feature is do not disturb. You know, there's this thing going around how people are starting to realize that, you know, spending so much time with these devices is having negative effects. And Apple is trying to give users a way to imply a little more control. I love Do Not Disturb. I've always hoped that um, Apple would, would give a little more power to Do Not Disturb. I think they've taken a great step with iOS 12. I'd like to see them go a little bit further, like maybe being able to uh, – in fact, I would, I'm going to ask you, can you automate some of this with Siri shortcuts? Yes, you can. I have this really cool workflow. I, I got to like slow down talking about this stuff. But they, uh, I figured out a workflow where you can s set it by um, a specific time like – I'm going to take a nap and then it figures out the current time and adds 30 minutes to it. And then it turns, not only does it turn, do not disturb on 30 minutes later, it turns it off. So you wake up from your nap, everything is back to normal. It's, it's so awesome. You could have never done this stuff with workflow. So anyway, it's great. So the easiest way to activate do not disturb is you pull right down from um, control center 
And the do not disturb icon is the, the little the little moon icon. And by default, you get a couple of options. You can activate do not disturb for an hour. You can activate it until the next morning. You can activate it until you leave this location or you can activate it till the end of this event. So right now I have on my calendar from 6 to 8 p.m. record Mac Power users so I can activate do not disturb until I'm done with this particular event. And those are huge improvements to do not disturb. And then, of course, a couple uh, last year, year before, I think it was last year, uh, we got do not disturb while driving, which I thought was a, a great improvement. And just to be clear on that, if you just tap the icon in Control Center, it just turns it off or on. You have to 3D touch it. And once you 3D touch it, it gives you all those options. So if you didn't think of that, it's it's really nice. Like um, going into the movies, 3D touch it and it says, you know, do not disturb until I leave this location. And your phone turns off. Do not disturb. Once you get in your car and you leave the movies, it turns back off again. That, to me, the the real advantage of this is the fact that it, it switches itself on and off. So the reason a lot of people were afraid to use it before is you turn do not disturb on and then you'd forget to turn it off and then an important call would come in and you wouldn't get it. Uh, now they've automated the process of not only turning it on, but also turning it off. I don't even know if this is possible. One thing I, I wish they could do is, you know, one of the options is um, until I leave this location which is great. It's not super granular. I mean, for those of us who, um, you know, work in an office building or, you know, David, I know you work from home most of the time, but a lot of times I'll go have a, a meeting in a, in a, in a conference room and I'll, I'll want to turn do not disturb on when I'm in the meeting, but then I'll walk back to my office, which is, you know, maybe 20 feet away or, or maybe a little bit further. And yeah, I've moved, but I really haven't moved enough for it to, you know, register the the location change. I, I wish that there was some way for it to to be a little bit smarter to say, oh, she's gotten up, she's walked around, maybe used it in conjunction with the accelerometer or those types of things to say, oh, she's moving around a good bit. Maybe maybe this uh, meeting or this event is over. Yeah, but you have the meeting in your calendar, right? Sometimes you do. Most of the time you do. Um, but it it depends because maybe the meeting runs long, maybe the meeting runs short. I guess what I would do if I was at a meeting that wasn't in my calendar, I would, um, uh, I would just say you can, you can set it for one hour. I would hope, hopefully the meetings aren't longer than an hour, but the, um, but yeah, it, it is. I, I do feel like this is what, like where Siri shortcuts, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want them to add. You know, as soon as you give me something, I want more. I feel the same way about do not disturb. It's like, I want to get even more granule. I not only do I want to have more control over how long and what triggers bring it off and on, I'd like to have more control over what do not disturb means right now. Do not disturb means no apps get through and no calls get, you know, well, what if I could say I can get disturbed by the Basecamp app or I can get disturbed by Slack, but not by Twitter. You know, I think that we should have the ability to, to be even more granular about it because some people um, do need interruptions from certain apps, but still don't want them from others. And we don't have that yet, but the, I'm not arguing, you know, of course I want more, but I'm very happy with what they've brought us with this release. I agree. But you always, always want a little more, but and so it's, it's hard to tell with Apple, whether, uh, whether they're going to continue to offer improvements or whether they think this is a feature that is, you know, good enough. I think there, I think there's going to be more on this because Apple is very interested in health and, I think healthy computing is something they take seriously. And, 
you know, there's no shortage of people um, that are very smart and medical professionals talking about the negative consequences of doing nothing but looking at little screens all day. And Apple's going to try and find ways, I think, to make it even better for us. Well, and that kind of brings us to, um, you know, one of our, our next features, which is screen time. Um, Apple is Apple is trying to get us to look uh, to look less at our screens, ma- mainly by helping us be aware of just how much we're doing it. Have uh, have you been surprised by anything you've learned? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm it, it's hard to tell. Like right now I am I've been making a screencast for three weeks. <laughs> I mean, my phone and my iPad are up and down constantly. I, you know, my data is bad, really, because of the way I work with these things. But the, um, uh, but I do think it's good to have this data. I, I wish that they would make more of it accessible. You know, like health data. You know, with health data, third-party applications can access that data and use it. And there's a bunch of great health apps that you know, take your heart data and display it to you in better ways than Apple does, for instance. But all the screen time data Apple has locked up and no other apps can use it. I, I would like to see that kind of get exposed to other app developers uh, with user permission, of course. What are you doing, if anything, to change your screen time? Uh, have you made any changes based on what you've learned? Not really. I, I have been aware of this for a while. I don't, first of all, I don't think I've ever been a person that abuses um, technology in that way. See, no, nobody thinks they are. I, I know that. I, I totally understand that. But I, I do feel like um, when I'm with my family, I'm not on a screen when I, you know, I, I've been around people that are abusing it in front of me and I, I'm not, I don't exhibit those behaviors. I, I feel like part of it, just like the whole thing with, um, people who are who want to turn off the internet because they're afraid they're going to go spend a bunch of time on Facebook instead of doing their work. I, I've just never had a problem with that. I, I have pretty good focus. When I want to get a job done, I, I just do the job. Um, and I don't know if it's because I've had a, a long time meditation practice or it's just I'm not, my personality isn't susceptible to that. So it's never been that big of an issue. We had that show with Jocelyn Guy that went, Katie couldn't make it that week, but uh, Jocelyn, uh, that letter, that episode of MPU, I thought was really good about talking about those types of issues. But I, don't, I, I feel legitimately that it's not that big of a problem for me. Like my phone doesn't even go to bed with me. I my phone stays in my office at night. Um, I do have an iPad next to the bed that I'll read the news on, and then I'll stick it in the in the bedside table and go to sleep. I, I do take my phone with me into the bedroom at night because it's, you know, it's my only phone and I, I have um, elderly people in my life. And when things happen, I, I need to know about it. Uh, I, I try to put the phone away at a, at the iPad away at a certain time I at, at, at night, if I'm browsing something, it's always going to be on my iPad. What I have found that I do kind of, and, and I knew this, but I never could quantify it or put a number to it. I pick up my phone so much more than I thought that I did. Um, I'm not spending a ton of time on it. I mean, I'm spending more than I thought that I would. But what I didn't realize that I did, and and as I started seeing the numbers creeping up, I started to become more aware of this. But I have this this bad habit that I'm hoping screen time will will help me break of when I come to a stopping point in, in work or if I get to a point in work where I, I run into a little bit of a wall 
um, or something is, I don't want to do something or something is hard or I've got to think about something or I've got to go find more information or something, or just, just a little bit of, um, a, I'm using the word wall, but I mean that met- metaphorically, obviously, you know, just a, a little bit of a mental barrier where I don't want to do this. Um, something has now become hard. I will very often reach for my phone to just give myself a mental break of, I don't want to deal with this right now. Let me, let me go see what's going on on Instagram. Let me go see what's going on on Facebook. Let me go see what's going on in, in Twitter. And, um, I, it's not a long diversion. It, it may only be a two or a three minute diversion because honestly, I've, I've really cut back on my social media use. I follow very few people on Twitter. I follow very few people on Facebook and Instagram. So it doesn't take me, but a, a minute or so to, to scroll through my timeline and be, be caught up if I'm doing this several times a day. But I've noticed that I'm picking up my phone multiple times a day to do this. Whereas if I had just powered right through what I was doing, I, every time you do that, you're starting and stopping and you're, you're having to get back into what you're doing. So you're losing that momentum and you're losing that productivity. Can, can I make you feel better about that for a minute? Yeah. So there, there's some real science on this and I, I didn't really come to the show prepared to talk about it, but there is a limited amount of focus that the human brain can do in a streak. And the science is actually getting better at that. I was talking to a doctor about it. And the uh, so you can't go 100% for eight hours straight. No, I get that. There's a reason why the Pomodoro technique works. You know, you, you blast it hard for 45 minutes, you take a 10, 15 minute break, and then you come back and suddenly you have the focus to work another 45. And you taking those little breaks are is your brain's way of telling you, Katie, I need a, I need a little reset here before I can focus again. It's just the difference is like I when I want to do that, I'll play uh, my saxophone for 10 minutes or I'll go down and pull weeds in the garden because um, I live this blessed life, you know, but the... Um, but I don't do that with the phone as much. You know, I actually should do it more. I should participate more in the forum and do a little bit more on Twitter because that's part of the way I make my living. And I like connecting with the people listening to the show. But uh, for me, for whatever reason, over the years, I usually, when I want to take a little break, I, I literally will, I'll play some jazz, you know, then I'll sit down and feel great and go for another hour. But I think we all need those little breaks. And I don't think you should beat yourself up if, if, goofing off on your phone for a few minutes once in a while is the way you do that. Well, I think what I beat myself up over is I, you know, I thought it was something that I did three or four times a day. And what I realized is it's something I do, you know, 10 or more times a day. And when you're doing it for three minutes, 10 times a day, well, now you're starting to talk about, you know, real time or or things like that. So um, one one of the things that I've done to combat that um, is the Pomodoro technique, you know, do, do, uh, um, you know, trying to work my way up. I, I've heard you're supposed to do 20 minute Pomodoros, you know, or, and work your way up to 40 minute Pomodoros or how are you doing that? I, I just tell my home pod set a timer for 45 minutes, you know, and then, and then I work for 40, I, I don't have a problem working for 45 minutes focused. And then it, the timer goes off and I get up and do something, you know, refill my water glass, play the sax. Uh, maybe sometimes I will goof off on my phone or get on the forum, but the, um, but you know, I usually just take a little break and I do feel refreshed when I sit down 10 minutes later to continue. The other thing that I think is interesting that I've learned about myself that's funny is I, I'm not doing this on the computer. Somehow, even though you can check Facebook or fake, check Twitter or do any of those on the computer, sometimes it seems more real when you do that on the computer. 
Um, I've got, and we've talked about it extensively on the show and I like it. One of these, uh, RAV chargers on my, on my desk where you can, you know, it just, the phone is popped up right there by my, by my computer screen. And somehow it doesn't feel like you're really taking a break and doing something. If you don't do it on the computer, if you're just reaching over and doing it on your phone real quick. So I, I think that one of the things that I may do is, is try to put my phone like in my desk drawer and be like out of sight, out of mind. Well, you know, the good news, Katie, is, you know, this whole conversation we just had is a result of screen time. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and I think if you're if once you install iOS 12 and you start seeing numbers that shock you, uh, my advice is, you know, I want to be a little affirming here. Don't beat yourself up. Just take it as information and maybe you start making some small changes to the way you do things. You know, uh, I don't think you should immediately start turning all your apps off because with screen time, you can do that. You can say, you know, lock me out of this app after so much time. Just, you know, be gentle with yourself and, and just pay attention to what's going on and then start making small changes. Yeah. And I, by the way, I have a set a, a screen time limit for all the social media apps. I wish you could be, and, and maybe, you know, and I haven't figured it out yet, um, a little more um, specialized because for example, um, I use social, uh, I've locked myself out of social networking, but I use the Facebook um, I use the Facebook app on my iPad, but I use the, um, I, I use the, um, the, the web interface on my phone. So I'm not sure it's counting all of those because, you know, one's an app and one's a phone. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know, but I, I definitely intend to make this a dinner time conversation with my kids. You know, once it rolls out and they've got it installed and I can just, I think that I'll just explain how bad I am and where I'm making my mistakes and then say, Hey, let's compare. I mean, I don't want to be like a jerk about it, but I, I would like them to start thinking about those issues. Cause it's going to be, you know, there, there truly is a problem with focus. There are people now because of these devices that have trouble focusing and, and even though I was bragging that I feel like I am not too susceptible to that, I know a lot of people are, and I think younger people, it's going to be even harder for them. So I, I want to have those conversations with my kids. And I, I feel like this is another vector for me to do that too. Okay. Enough parenting advice. <laughs> Anything else uh, <laughs> that you want to talk about with the regards to screen time or? No, not really. Uh, it's, it's, Please take a look at it, though, and see how it affects you. That might be interesting for a thread in the forum for people to talk about it. Hey, Katie Floyd, we have a new iPhone coming out. And what that means is that immediately my old iPhone feels like a piece of junk. But there's good news because we have a sponsor named Gazelle that can help me take care of that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Gazelle.com, the go-to website for buying and selling used devices. Thinking about upgrading to the new iPhone? I sure am. Gazelle will pay you for your current phone. Visit gazelle.com and answer a few easy questions to get a quote. Your quote is good for 30 days, so you can lock in the best price before it depreciates and have time to decide which phone you want. So if you're thinking about buying the new phone, just go on Gazelle right now and lock your price in. The longer you wait, the cheaper they get. So don't do that. Lock it in today. Shipping is free and payment is fast. Get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox, or direct deposit in your PayPal account. And you can also shop from a variety of pre-owned electronics or trading devices for cash. Give a new life to a used device? Visit gazelle.com today. You know, I really like Gazelle. I've been using them for a long time. 
every year the new iPhones come in and, you know, we kind of make the iPhone shuffle in the house and usually one comes out the bottom. And every time I sell it to Gazelle, I tried to do uh, selling it through like Craigslist and these other things. Every time the people didn't show up with the money, it was always like this weird harrowing experience. Gazelle solved all of that for me. You just get the price. They ship you a box. You put it in. You send it to them. You get money. It takes none of your time. And it's a reputable company. You get good money. Um, Also, we have purchased stuff from Gazelle. That's probably a discussion for another ad spot. But uh, I think it's a great resource if you have kids in your family or someone you want to get a a loved pre-owned iPhone or Apple device. They've got some great stuff in there. And you know you can trust them. Um, the benefits of buying pre-owned devices from Gazelle are pretty obvious. They, they're fair and good and excellent condition ratings. They go through their own screening process, so you know you're not going to get a piece of junk. So give life to your new and used devices. Lock in the value of your phone and trade it in for cash. Or buy a certified pre-owned device for a fraction of the price. That's gazelle.com. Visit gazelle.com today to get started. So I am really excited about Watch OS 5. I'm uh, really excited about some of the changes that are coming to the watch face. We saw a preview of the new Siri watch face at WWDC. And I love and have used the Siri watch face ever since it came out. But we've got a lot of new watch, newer watcher, newer watcher faces. Is that how you say it? Um, well, well, the Siri watch face gets better because now third party apps can tie into exactly. it. Exactly. And, and we saw that at WWDC. Yeah, but we haven't had it in the beta. It's been killing me. I'm so I'm so looking forward to getting like OmniFocus and some of my favorite apps showing up in my Siri face. But then we saw even even more new faces today, and I I, I wasn't quite clear on this. I am pretty sure that um, well, those of us who have the old watch get some of the new faces. I I think we will. I think we're going to get most of the stuff. Yeah, I think I think we're getting most of them. I'm not sure we're getting all of them. Um, but there's, there's some other nice new features in watch, um, OS five. I mean, it's so clear that Apple has gone from the watch being a fashion thing to being a fitness thing. I mean, a lot of the changes with the new version are just great. Like I, uh, I do a hike every morning. It's, um, it's local and I used to occasionally get back and forget to turn off my workout. And then I would have an eight hour workout. My battery would be killed by it because I just forgot to turn it off. Um, now it, it does that for me. I'm walking around the house and I it back and says, Hey Dave, looks like you're not on your workout anymore. You want me to stop it? Click the button. You're done. So like stuff like that got a lot easier. I'm really excited. Again, we talked about overcast before. So Margo, I'm really putting a lot of faith in you, buddy. Um, I'm excited to see podcasts on the Apple watch. Now I've got a cellular Apple watch. I don't use the, um, the, the cellular uh, features in mine, but I'm really excited to be able to take podcasts on the go on my Apple watch. Now you can do this um, with, uh, with Apple's podcast app, but they've also got a developer API that will allow you to take podcasts on the watch. And I, I'm pretty sure Marco's planning on taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, I have been, uh, first of all, when you said, Marco, you're my only hope, I had this imagine of Katie with the buns in her hair. <laughs> did, did I say, Marco, you're my only hope? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah something like that. Well, I think I took it there because you got close enough to Star Wars that my brain just drifted. But the uh, no, it, it does work. I've been, during the beta process, I've been using the podcast app just because I wanted to do this. And when I go on my morning hikes, I don't bring a phone. You know, I've got a cellular on my thing. I guess if I break my leg, I can get help. But I've never fortunately needed that. But just put your AirPods in. The podcasts are on your watch when you leave. You don't even need the cellular connection for that, um, as I understand it. 
I mean, if the if the podcasts are downloaded before you leave, you're good. And just open the podcast app, pick the one you want, push the button, and it comes out of your ears. So that that's awesome, and uh, that's a nice new feature. They also added the radio, the walkie-talkie feature. And uh, I didn't. Are you, have you haven't installed it yet, right, Katie? I no, I haven't. But, yeah, because um, you can't. You're on the public beta. But the uh, but like uh, Liana Lehua has it installed, and we regularly walkie-talkie each other. It's fun. Okay, can I just tell you, I I have absolutely positively no interest in the walkie-talkie feature. I was not interested in it in the 90s when it came out on the Nextel phones, and I'm not interested in it now. I I don't understand why you would want to do this. Yeah, I thought it was dumb on the Nextel phones. Is it because I'm just, I I have no sense of fun. I don't like Animoji. I don't like walkie-talkie features. I I don't know. I I know when I was a kid that walkie-talkies were an important piece of my life. and my, My closest friends on the block, we were all on the same um, uh, frequency and we would talk to each other after our parents sent us to bed. Of course, there were no things like this is even before pagers, not even phones, right? So we thought we were so cool that we could talk and we would sometimes, you know, get our D and D game going via walkie talkie. We, I, I am, I am and was such a nerd. Let's just put it that way. But, but they were never very good. You know, the the broadcast length of walkie talkies was never much more than about a hundred or two hundred feet. It seemed like now we can do it. So I, I'm channeling my younger kid when I do this. The technology behind it is interesting too because the way it works is it's really establishing a call between you. It's basically establishing a um, a uh, you know, an over the internet call as opposed to a cellular call and it creates the connection and it just turns the mic off and on. So you don't hear unless you push the button to talk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And as a result, it's immediate, you know, it's not like uh, you say something and then it transmits that separately. And then they say something back. It's just immediate. You press the button and you're talking. And I don't know how useful it is. I'm not sure I can make a case that it's more useful than just calling someone. But sometimes Liana and I will just start, we'll open up a walkie-talkie with each other and just talk back occasionally while we're both working. And we can just chime in once in a while, and it's fun. So uh, there's definitely an element of fun to this. I, I'd be curious, and well, this is another good one for the forums, if you found a legitimate productivity reason to use walkie-talkie, please let me know, because I need this the next time I talk to Katie about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but no. But but I, my understanding of the walkie-talkie feature is that you can keep people from walkie-talking you. So I may not be able to keep you from sending me your ridiculous emoji. I can keep you from walkie-talking me. Oh, Katie, what are we going to do with you? Bah humbug. Get off my lawn. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I like it. And it's in the new phone. And uh, so let's hear what everybody's doing with that. Um, so we got the walkie-talkie. We got way more activity. We got challenges now with the health stuff. So you can have challenges with a friend. And um, I, I haven't played a lot with that yet, but I'm going to. I love the fact that it can auto start and stop workouts for you. That's the other problem. Um, you do a workout and you realize at the end of the workout, you forgot to start it and you lose credit for it. And it makes you crazy. Now it says, hey, it looks like you're working out. You want me to take care of that for you? Podcast. I don't You know, it's not a huge change to the watch. I think the, the, um, the watch changes have got more iterative over the last few years. But they've got a lot of news on the hardware front, so we'll get to that later. What about watch in, in terms of interacting with the watch and the complications and those types of things that, that we saw? How much of that do you think is going to um, uh, inter- change how you interact daily with the watch? Slightly. 
I mean, I am a big Apple Watch user already, so I, I don't need the motivation to use it more. I Like I was saying, I put my phone by my computer when I go to bed, but I leave my watch on all night. It's always charged. It doesn't, you know, the watch battery and the modern watches charges so fast. You can just charge it while you're showering or like even if you're sitting at your computer for uh, some time, just drop it in the charger and then set a 30-minute timer so you don't forget to put it back on. And your watch is usually nearly capped off and charged. So I sleep with my watch on. It's my alarm clock. It's got a cellular thing on it. So if somebody did call me, it would wake me up. And I love the alarm because it wakes me up with a vibration. It doesn't wake my wife up when the alarm goes off. So I'm a big user of the Apple Watch. How about you? I don't sleep with the Apple Watch. I don't use it for um, sleep tracking like you do. But otherwise, the Apple Watch is the first thing that I put on in the morning and the last thing that I take off at, at night. And I will tell you, I've really recently gotten into Apple Watch bands. I I used to just have one that I wore all the time. And now I think I've got like four bands. that And, and I Apple did come up with some new colors. They tend to do that seasonably. I'm so excited that the uh, the new Apple Watch supports the the old Apple Watch bands. Uh, I've got the my my favorite. I've got the Melanie's Loop, but I haven't worn that in a while. I love the Apple leather band, uh, and then I've got a couple of um, sport bands that I like to wear for different times. But um, I, I it's become both a, a fashion thing um, as as well as just a. Uh, I I love being able to disconnect from my phone with the Apple Watch. Uh, all I'm going to say is four bands makes you a rookie still. Still, oh well. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a bunch I bought off Amazon. You know, like you know those Apple Sport Loops. I really like them. They're nice. My um, I got I got my mom into the Apple Watch. I gave her my old one, and then she ended up getting the new one. And she, you know, it's like it's got this plastic band with it. Why do I? I mean, this rubber thing. I, I'm not spending sixty bucks or fifty bucks, whatever it is for for this. But you know, she agreed it was comfortable and I'm fine. But look, I can get them on Amazon for like four bucks. So she went on Amazon and she bought you know a bunch of different colored bands. She sent them all back. She's like, no, this is not acceptable. There's something about the Apple Sport Band that is so comfortable. I, I can't explain to you what a what is it a polyelastomer. Um, yeah, I forget whatever yeah. it is. Um, and and she has my my mother now has like more Apple bands than there are days of the week. She's got like a blue one, a white one, a pink one, a red one, a leather one. I'm just like okay, and she swaps them out with all of her her outfits. It's 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 so cute. I love it. Daisy just got one with um, some obscure Disney characters on it. I mean, there, there's just a lot out there. I think let's just talk about the event now. Let's talk about the new, uh, since we're on the watch, let's talk about the new watch hardware. Yeah. So I have, I have conflicting thoughts about this. Let me just do a quick summary because not everybody is going to read all the internet like you and I do. So a quick summary. The, there's, new, there's a new series for Apple Watch out. It's um, a little larger, 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters as opposed to 38 and 42 um, it's got some new user interface elements because it's bigger. It's an edge to edge screen. They can put more on the screen. So there's some watch faces that have up to nine complications on them. So many complications. They move the microphone to the opposite side of the speaker, which is, seems obvious in hindsight. So the, the microphone's not next to the speaker, the calls sound better. Uh, 30, about 33% more screen real estate, depending on which one you get. Um, the, the crown, the digital crown now has haptic feedback or taptic feedback, I guess they call it. So it kind of ticks for you if if they want to. The speaker's louder. It's 64-bit silicon now, so it's like the machine inside of it is way better. 
up to two times faster. And the accelerometer got way better, uh, letting them do something that I thought was really impressive. They can detect a fall. So if you are falling, there's certain things you do with your hands when you fall. Now the watch figures it out. And we'll call emergency services for you if you don't say, I'm okay. You know, if you fall down and you don't answer it. Um, when I was in the uh, the room with the uh, listeners today, somebody was saying that they worked in emergency services. And they said they would find people that were dead, you know, that had fallen over and they just couldn't get help. And so I, I think that's a really great. So if you fall down, uh, your, your watch can call 911 for you. Um, they've got a new, better heart sensor, so it can not only detect how fast your heart's going, but how slow. It can detect irregular heartbeats and tell you if that's a problem. There's an electrocardiogram built into the new watch. <laughs> an electrocardiogram, Katie, on your wrist at all times. And um, they claim it's got the same battery life. I guess we'll see. And the thing that concerned me, because I was getting increasingly excited as all this news was coming out, but I was worried with the four, the, the two millimeter increase in size. I'm like, well, I cannot abandon my collection of bands. There's just no way I can buy this. I got to hold on to my old one. And then they said, oh, and by the way, all the bands work, even the old ones. Crazy. I, I think it's going to be fine. I, I love, I'm a 38 millimeter watch person. I would not want to watch any bigger you know, 3840, I get it. It's not that big of a difference. It'll probably be fine. But I really didn't want a bigger watch, but whatever. You know, Apple had gotten a lot of praise because uh, for making a smaller watch, particularly I think a lot of women wear the 38 millimeter watch. I think many of them will go up to 40. But, you know, just like I didn't want a bigger phone, I didn't want a bigger Apple watch. So yes, I will buy your 40 millimeter watch at some point. But I'm not really sure why you needed to do that. You're, it's getting a bigger screen size anyway because you're going edge to edge. But could you have not stayed at at, at 38 for me? I guess not. Um, I think people who really wanted a bigger watch could have gone to 42, um, maybe gone 42 and, and had another size. But I, I don't know. Um, the I, I will tell you, I'm. I'm not, uh, I, when we recorded a podcast, was it last week, week before last, I told you it was very possible that I would go through this event and buy nothing. And I, I still think that that's what's going to happen, but I was interested in, in the Apple watch. And if I don't buy this Apple watch, it, it's fine. I mean, if I can end up selling my, I just bought this, not just, but a year ago, I bought the series three Apple watch. It was my turn to upgrade. And I spent a fair amount of money on it because I went with the stainless steel version and the cellular version. And one of the things that disappointed me is I have no interest in the, in the cellular version, but I really like the stainless steel Apple watch. And there is, there's not an option to get stainless steel unless you get cellular. So you're increasing your cost quite a bit to get a stainless steel when maybe you don't have to. And I, I like that Apple is simplifying the SKUs, but I don't like that I have to jump up in cost for something that I'm, I'm never going to use. Um, so, and, and now they've made that jump. They've also, they've, they've made them more expensive. So the same Apple watch that I got last year, the replacement model is now a hundred bucks more expensive. So I'm thinking, yeah, gosh, if I could sell my series three Apple watch, and get a reasonable amount for it. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd spend the money to upgrade to a, a Series 4. But now my Series 3 watch is worth less because they still kept the Series 3 around. And now the Series 4 is more. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a bigger delta to, to upgrade. But whatever. I'll tell you what I'm, I'm really interested in is the, um, of all things, and this may sound silly, is the fall detection. Um you know, I, I know we, we joke about it, but 
I have, have um, you know, like I said, I have elderly people in my life and they they have those buttons and we make fun of them. But, you know, that I've fallen and I can't get up buttons and they really give me a lot of comfort to know that someone in my life is not going to be laying on the floor for days or even hours not attended because they've had to push that button before and, and people have shown up and and that's huge. And while I'm young and I'm healthy and I'm agile, I also, for a large part of the the day and and times, you know, I I live alone. And some, you know, if something were to happen, would any, really nobody would know until I was missed from something, you know, until I missed an appointment or I didn't show up at work or someone was expecting me somewhere and I wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about my sister who had a big heart attack and, you know, it could have killed her, but it was they got it in time and everything. And with all this heart stuff, you know, I was thinking, boy, wouldn't it be nice if she had that on and she had the warning signs before she almost lost her life. So I, I think Apple has really done something special here with this new watch. I mean, it's not just the sexy new tech features there. There is legitimate health um, benefits to this watch. So that's what I'm interested in. And, you know, whether it's enough to make me upgrade this year or, or, you know, wait and see what the new Apple Watch is, you know, next year. We'll see. I think I do think this is a two big upgrades for. Well, I guess the series, the series two Apple Watch, was that the big upgrade? The series, there was the series zero, series one, series two. So the third year of the Apple Watch was really the series two Apple Watch. That was a pretty big upgrade. The series three was a nice upgrade. And the the series four seems to have been another big jump. You know, we're we're still trying to time the how this works. A couple of things that stand out for me. I, I am more likely than not going to get one because you know Max Sparky. But the um, I, I need to uh, find a way to sell my old one to make enough money off it because I I you know there is a limit, right? But the uh, but I do like this. I I do like the the bigger size. See, I am actually at the point in life where I squint at the watch sometimes. I think a little more screen real estate actually would be beneficial to me. Um, I really like, and this this is totally vain, but I really like that the crown now is no longer solid red. You know, um, I never liked that red crown. You know, you can get a sticker soda. to put. They sell stickers you can put on your. I crown. know, but that just seems so weird. I don't know. But so the new one has just got a little red band on it, which is not nearly as a much of a problem. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I I haven't made up my mind. I'm definitely going to get a new phone. I'm probably going to get a watch. I with the watch, I am going to look into seeing what I can get for the old one because if I had to pay out of pocket with no you know decent offset for the old watch. Uh, I'm not sure I could afford the new watch right now. So we'll see. But the uh, I, I like it. I, I think that the increased size is uh, I'm, I'm for it. You know, another two millimeters, I think, would be helpful. So I, I'm the opposite of you on that problem. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and a whole lot more. So whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, Squarespace has a plan for you. They are an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. What I love about Squarespace is there's nothing to install. There's no patches to worry about. There's no upgrades needed. You don't have to be in a system administrator in order to run a website. Squarespace just has you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need any help along the way, you know that you can always just call out for help and Squarespace will be there. Squarespace makes it so easy to let you grab a unique domain name 
And they have all of these award-winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. But you don't have to worry about your Squarespace site looking like anybody else's because these templates are infinitely customizable. I've been using Squarespace for years to create websites for myself, for my company, and I've started using Squarespace anytime somebody says to me, hey, you know, I need a, I need a website. What I'll do is I'll set them up with a Squarespace website and then turn it over to them. In fact, just today, a friend of mine is working on a new mentoring program for our local bar. And she said, you know, it'd be really nice to have a website. And I said, well, I think I can set one up for you. And guess where I'm going to do that with? Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a free trial now with no credit card required by heading over to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU. Use coupon code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Katie, it's time to talk about the new iPhone, the tennis phone. Oh, my gosh. Can, can we just get that out of the way right now of uh, why? Well, I, you know, OK, so so the, the controversy is that the new phone is called the 10S, which most people call it the iPhone X. So they're going to call it the iPhone XS, <laughs> which is even worse. I, I still wish they had made it the iPhone Pro and just the iPhone, but they never did that. And I guess they probably got good reasons. They spent a lot more money and time thinking about the night. But no, they didn't. I mean, maybe they did, but they wasted their money. It's it's like when you find out that a large government organization has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a consultant and then they come up with a really bad decision. Well, either way, it's called the 10S and it's a 5.8 inch screen. It's very similar to the current iPhone 10. And um, they have a new one called the iPhone XS Max. And that one that one is the same footprint as the iPhone Plus, but it is 6.5-inch screen, which they call a Super Retina. It's just not Retina. It is Super Retina. Super Retina. And it's OLED, 3.3 million pixels. But it's over an inch bigger in screen size than the iPhone Plus. So you're getting... You know, you're getting in iPad mini territory because I was looking up the iPad mini was 7.9 inches. This is 6.5. I mean, you're an inch and a half, you know, screen size smaller than the iPad mini. Anybody put want to put odds on the iPad mini seeing another another year? Yeah, <laughs> goodbye iPad mini. But I say sign me up. I love the idea of a bigger screen on the iPhone. So so you have answered the question, are you going to go big? We we know the answer to that is yes. Yes, of course. I mean, there was never really a question. Yeah, I'm there gonna, was not. Because I, I got used to the iPhone uh, Plus. I had a plus size up until they made the iPhone 10, and it never bothered me. And you're going to fill that up with pixels? I want that. You know, I want that. But the uh, so anyway, it's it's they've got the two. And that's not a surprise. Everybody expected the first year with this new design, they could just make the one. But it was just a question of time before they had a bigger one. And when you saw how much money Apple made selling the bigger phones, I'm sure that they can't wait to get this to market. Um, Face ID got better. Um, I this is too early in the process. Excuse me, I I um, haven't talked to any friends that were in the hands-on zone yet because that's just, you know, getting over as we record the show. But I want to know how much faster Face ID is. I, I know it's faster, but how much faster is it? And is it more reliable? Because I tell you, I still have a lot of Face. Face ID does not like my face. I'm just telling you, if this were an MPU+, Plus, that would be the title. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good good title. The um, 
the, the it's got a new chip like every time. This is the A12 chip, which is one more A than last year. So that must be better, an extra A. Uh, they got it down to a seven nanometer die, which I thought was originally very impressive because I hadn't heard of anybody doing that. And then I put it on Twitter and I found out that uh, a bunch of um, phone developers are getting their arm chips down to seven nanometers. I think Apple may be the first to get there, but they're not the only one. But that gives you more uh, improvement with speed and battery life. Um, they claim apps launch 30% faster and the machine learning neural engine portion of the chip now is an eight core design. Um, we, we don't get into the technology that deep on Mac power users, but I really believe deeply that i that Apple is years ahead of the competition with these chips. I, I know that Apple's big push is yes. Yes. I agree. I know that Apple's big push is, is VR. Um, it, it is there a point where it's fast enough for a phone? I mean, how, how fast does my phone need to be? If you want the machine learning stuff to work better, it needs to be faster. That's, that's the eight core neural chip is, is all about machine learning stuff. Like when I tap in dog in photos, how fast is it going to find my dog photos or how much faster is Siri going to get it identifying what I want it to do with Siri shortcuts. Like all of this phone learning stuff requires heavy processing and that's what that's where they're really putting the pedal down with this chip so i think it can get faster um ar i want to talk about our ar in a minute but i want to distinguish these things i mean the neural um as i understand it the neural engine is not about ar although that is a benefit of it it's really about making the phone helping the phone get smarter faster Okay. Besides the faster processors, we also have multiple versions of of the phone. And this is the first time uh, we saw some of the, well, not the first time, but we saw some of the longtime versions of the phone go away. So the iPhone 6 dropped away, which I guess wasn't really a surprise to anybody. Um, but the iPhone SE said goodbye. Goodbye, iPhone SE. Pour one out. Uh, so there's there's no longer a, 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 a mini phone anymore. Maybe they could have called it the iPhone mini. You know what else went away? The air power. Remember the air power? We were going to get it this year. It's a little pad you put next to your bed. It charges your phone, your AirPods, your watch all at once. Yeah, I bought one from Amazon for like 20 bucks. It's fine. Uh-huh. No, but they, you know, Apple has completely disappeared from the Apple website is, is my understanding at this point. It's like, what, what are you talking about, David? Air, air power is not a thing that exists. Never yeah, it's, existed. Like the, it's like the Soviet era. <laughs> it's just like. It's gone. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Air, air from what? history. Yeah. Are you talking about AirPlay? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. I. You know, it's funny. I never had any interest in that because I don't charge my watch next to my bed. Uh, Katie's hooked me on these wireless stand-up chargers, so I. You know, I. I don't. I never needed it, but the. Um, it never existed. But getting back, let's talk about these iPhone XSs a little bit more. Um, uh, Apple seems to be very excited about AR. I agree with Katie. That's something they talk about often. And I feel like it's like a joke or a story that I'm not in on the punchline because they keep talking about it. I don't know anybody that really uses AR. I mean, occasionally I'll download an AR app and play with it a little bit, but it, at no point is it like something that's super important to me finishing my day. Um, let me know if you're a big AR user and how you're using it. Uh, and I understand games. You can don't have to write me about games. I get that. But if there's something you're doing that's not related to games or using AR, please tell me. We can talk about it on the next live show or the next plus show. But I, I feel like it's kind of a, a story that they keep talking about that's not that relevant. 
Uh, and maybe I I think it's going to become relevant in the future when Apple maybe releases things that are yet to come. Like things you put on your head and in front of your eyes, you mean? Something like that? Might be. Yeah, yeah maybe. I agree. But and I, and I understand why they need to keep working on it now. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. But it is funny to me every time they have an event why they want to talk about AR. And I'm not sure anybody cares. Uh, you know what else makes me a little sad about this new phone? Uh, we found out after the event, they're shipping it with the old five watt wall wart charger. Why? You know, you can, you can go on, um, on Amazon and buy, uh, like an anchor little teeny charger. That's the same size as Apple's charger that has dual USB. So you can charge two devices at once and will charge, um, uh, at the 10 watt speed for like, you know. Under 10 bucks. Why? Why Why do we still need to do this? And you know what, Katie? If you buy the XS Max phone, you know, to get the big size with 512 gigabytes, that's an option now. You're going to give Apple $1,449, almost $1,500 for a phone, and it's still going to ship with a 5-watt charger. And I'm sure this thing costs Apple less than 5 bucks to make or so. I mean, just give me the better charger. Go buy them from Anchor and give them to me. It's fine. So we we didn't really talk about it, but you know there 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 are lots of iPhones. The iPhone line has only gotten more complicated. Um, we we have the iPhone. You called it the XS. That's not what it's called. You call, the iPhone XS. Every time I read it, I say XS. If I say it out loud, I can say XS. Okay, it's the iPhone XS, which is the successor to the iPhone X which is the same size, same form factor. It's just, you know, got the faster processor. It's got the better camera. It's got, you know, it's, it's the, it's the S version of the iPhone 10. Um, is there anything like super other than that, that it, the iPhone 10 has the faster face ID? Um, there is something we, we didn't talk at all about the camera. Um, so there, there's a camera improvements, although I haven't nailed down as we read this, as we, um, as we record this, exactly what the hardware improvements are to the camera, but using that neural engine, that chip you were making fun of, they can do a lot more computational photography now. At one yeah, point yeah, they... yeah. Better, better camera, faster charging. It, it, hey, it, hey, it, don't, it. don't dismiss me on this. This is cool. They, they've got a feature um, where you can adjust the f-stop for a picture. So like, you know, the, the idea of bokeh, you know, traditionally with an SLR camera, you want to get that f-stop down to, you know, 1.6, 1.8 to um to get that blurry background but once you take the image that's locked now what the phone does what the iphone can do with all this uh, computational power is you take the picture and then afterwards you pick what your f-stop is you can dial it down to 1.4 or up to i think 16 so you can make the background as blurry or as clear as you want it and you can choose that after you take the shot i mean that is i think that's really impressive and I can totally see a use for that, and I am going to use that. So I think that's a really nice feature. Okay, so then we have... And Katie just dismisses me. It's fine. Yeah, no, it is. It is. But I will tell you that the camera is good enough for me. It's it's a it's a great feature if you're interested in photography or, or if you take a lot of photos with your iPhone camera. Or or if you don't have an iPhone 10. Now, I again, I this is an S-year upgrade. And we always get like, you know, another new feature in the, in the, in the S year upgrades. I don't know though, that this is a great S year upgrade. Is there any big, huge feature that, I mean, well, you have an iPhone 10 
if they didn't make the 10 max, would you have upgraded to the 10 S? If I had a 10 max and then they came out with the 10 S max, I think it would be a harder case for me to make the upgrade. Right. And what I'm saying is forget about the 10 S max. If you just had an iPhone 10, I, I think it's a harder case to upgrade to the iPhone 10 S. Yeah. If, if you're staying we- at the same size, it, the improvements are not, um, they aren't as banner this year as they are in some other years, I think. Yeah. And it comes in gold. Everything comes in gold now. And and can I just say as an aside, you know, obviously we had the big nine to five Mac leak. Uh, we talked about it on the last episode with Zach Hall and that, that leak came out about a week ago. I thought for sure that Apple would have changed all their product marketing images and be like that. That image is now dead to us. It never existed. We're not using it for anything. I think you're underestimating how much work it is to make those images. <laughs> But I mean, I just assumed that they would have other images that they could swap out, like they would have a couple of alternate images, but maybe uh, yeah, it'd be like, whatever the cost is, that image is dead. Move on. Anyway, uh, the iPhone XS Max. No, gosh, I did it too. The iPhone XS Max is the um, huge phone, the Super Retina display. Why Why did they not just call this the iPhone XS Pro? Why? Why do we have to bring a new thing in there? If I was in charge, I would I would have two lines. There would be the iPhone Pro and the iPhone. And I wouldn't even have 10 or S or Max or anything. And then I guess I'd, I'd find some way to distinguish the larger one over the smaller one. And I don't think it would be the word Max. But but I think um, that if, I think marketing-wise, I mean, I don't know this stuff, but it seems to me like if they have a different name every year, it makes it easier for people to want to buy the one that have the latest and greatest and show it off and all that. But but to me, it's just like the iPad line. We have the iPad Pro and the iPad, and they don't have a different distinction every year. I, I like the way that works. But Apple's biggest problem with the iPad is people only buy one every six years. So maybe they don't want to do that to the iPhone. But to me, an i an iPhone Pro and an iPhone would be a great way to to name the devices. But that it's like fighting yesterday's battle. Let's, I don't want to spend time talking about that. We should get over that again. Six point five inch Super Retina HD display, um, twelve megapixel uh, tele, uh, wide angle and telephoto cameras, seven megapixel true depth camera. It's got the faster Face ID. It's got the A twelve Bionic chip, water resistant up to two meters for thirty minutes. It's Got the wireless charging. It goes up to 512 gigabytes. Um, in terms of storage size, you're going to pay a pretty penny for that. But um, it, it, it costs, uh, I think, probably more than a lot of people's computers if you want to want to go up up that big. Yeah. So let's talk about pricing for the X. See, every time I look at it, I say X. I can't help myself. For the 10, the pricing uh, starts at 999 for the, the regular 10. For the 10S Max, it starts at 1099 and then you can get it up to 512. I think I would probably get the 256 one. But if you get the 512 one, it goes up to 1449. So that's that's the new iPhone 10s. But they also have it's kind of interesting this year. There's a new second tier phone. There's a new iPhone C, but we didn't call it that because that name is apparently dead to us. It's called the XR or 10R. Katie, what am I going to do? Okay, it's it's called a 10R. I, this is interesting to me because it's the first time, I guess it's the second time, they've made a brand new second tier phone. You know, it's not that the iPhone 8 
just got a $100 price bump, and that's the phone you're supposed to go to if you don't get the 10s. They actually made a new phone, and it's got the edge-to-edge screen, but it's LCD. There's actually a lot I like about this phone. Um, it's only got one lens, but they're using focus points to get you the bokeh feature, or the or the uh, just a, a lot of the features that were that were iPhone 10 only are now showing up on the second tier phone. It's got Face ID. Uh, clearly, they're just trying to get the line off of that old six, seven, eight body style, and everybody into this new, you know, world of the iPhone 10 edge-to-edge screen technology. Do we know what the R stands for? Uh, I did not hear. I mean, I watched the presentation. I don't believe they said, but they never do. Uh, another thing I like about this new phone is it has six colors. Why doesn't the iPhone 10s have six colors, Katie? I mean, that's the one that we're we're you know mortgaging our homes to buy. We should have color choices. The red iPhone 10R looks awesome. If they made that in the iPhone 10s, I'd buy it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I and the other thing that's interesting about the iPhone 10R is there's not two phones. They just made a choice. They picked a body size that's halfway in essence between the iPhone 10 and the 10s Max, and um, it, so it's it's a nice size screen. It's a little bigger than the iPhone 10. It's smaller, definitely smaller than the iPhone 10s Max. And uh, that's the one you get. Pick your color. I think this is going to probably be Apple's most popular phone. Uh, obviously, at the lowest price point, but it's still a cool looking phone. Well, I mean, just look at, uh, you know, getting back to the stuff we were talking about earlier. Take a look at how you're using your phone. You know, the other thing you, you don't just get with the... Um, with screen time, the number of times you pick it up, you get the time. What are you spending your time in your apps? You know, if you're just going in Twitter and Safari, maybe you don't need an iPhone XS. Just get one of these cool, you know, get the blue one or something and just have fun with it. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the XR has a lot of merit. I will say, though, it's still expensive. You know, Apple, Apple does still sell the the older model phones. You still can get into an iPhone for, for less expensive. But if you want one of the current iPhones, if you want an... Oh, I, how many times am I going to say iPhone X? If you want an iPhone 10 of some kind, um, the, the starting price now jumps up. So I, I'm interested to see in Apple's, um, Apple's quarterly conference call. Uh, you know, we're going to see ASP has gone up on the iPhone because, yeah, the, the average selling price of an iPhone is going to go up because the the iPhone XR, um, I believe, starts at 749 And that goes up to 256 gigabytes. I mean, that's a real deal phone. It's got I think it's got the A12 processor in it. I mean, it's it's a good phone. I mean, it, they didn't make a cheap phone. They made a I mean, I, I was thinking about while they were announcing the X the 10R. I was thinking about what if last year before the iPhone, let's, let's wipe the iPhone 10 from history. Let's, you know, treat it the same way that we treat the air power. Pretend it just doesn't exist. It's no longer a thing that exists in our product line. And, and someone, a phone announces the iPhone 10R. That's a really great phone. I would be excited about buying it. Yeah, I would, I, I would be too. In fact, if I didn't already have an iPhone 10, I, I might be compelled to buy the 10R. And, and or if something happened to my iPhone 10, I might be compelled to buy a 10R. Um, so I, you said earlier that they've made it confusing with the products. I don't think they have. I think it's pretty clear. They, they do have a pro version. That's the iPhone 10s. They've got, you know, a second tier version, the iPhone 10R. And they still have some of the old ones for sale that are much cheaper. If you want to save money, you can get into an iPhone 7 for 500 bucks. So 
uh, or 449 even. So they've got they've got the market covered now. I don't think it's really that confusing. So uh, I think we've already said it, but what are we ordering? You, you may order a watch. I would say at this point, probably not. Um, I, I think I'm going to let things sit for a little while. And I think the longer I let it sit, I will probably not order a watch. I am probably ordering nothing. I am probably ordering both. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm in for a bigger phone. I'm ready for a bigger phone. And I will, you know, and honestly, just the way phones work on our phone. My, my daughter has already been over here checking out my existing iPhone 10 and asking about cases. If I, <laughs> it's, I, there's a whole economy in the Sparks family that runs on David getting a new phone every year. But the, uh, so that's definitely happening. And the watch, I am more likely than not. I do, I can't just buy a new watch every year and just like give away the old one to a family member. If I were to do it, I have to make enough off of it that I'm just not totally taking a bath. And I honestly have no idea how to sell this watch because I've already sold the um, the other ones to friends already. I'm out of friends to buy this watch. So <laughs> I have to figure that out. But you know me, Katie, I'll find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. All right, I'm, I'm sure you'll have no trouble finding someone to take the watch off your hand. <laughs> the the other uh, thing, so a couple other comments about the, um, the, the presentation today. Tim... Cook was weird. Watch it. Just like when he's announcing the iPhone, he's like yelling. I've never seen him. I don't know. It just, it didn't suit him to me. I, I like Tim with his quiet Southern charm. I, I don't really care for his, um, his presentation today. I was thinking maybe he's trying to get past all the leakers or something. I don't know. Um, and a lot of diversity on stage. So Apple's kind of getting the message on that. Um, the, uh, I do like also the announcements about the home pod. Did you catch that? I am excited about the HomePod, um, I, you know, because I, I have so many of them. They're like triples, as, as we've we've previously said. I still just have three. Don't worry. Just three still. No, no more than three. Um, we're getting a, a lot of uh, finally features coming to the HomePod. We're getting multiple timers. Although I'll say I haven't really missed that. Um, and uh, other features on the HomePod. I just I kind of hope the HomePod gets a little more reliable. Yeah. So in addition to multiple timers, you're getting the ability to um, ping devices like find my iPhone stuff with your voice through your HomePod. Yeah, that's nice. I already do that with my phone, my watch, though. You can make calls on it. I that is a feature I will use every day because I have a HomePod sitting next to my desk and I like to use the speakerphone when I'm on the phone with clients sometimes. And that is a much better speakerphone than the iPhone. And uh, so I, I think that's great. Uh, Siri shortcuts triggers. Yes. I, see, I, th- I feel like we already knew about that. So although I'm excited, I'm very excited about it. I, I feel like I'm not excited about it today because I feel like I was excited about that at WWDC. That's that's what caused me to buy the HomePods. Yeah, I know. It's, it's great. And as you build more Siri shortcuts, triggering them with your voice is going to be awesome. Um, so anyway, uh, there's uh, I think search music by Lyric. You can do that now on your HomePod. Apple TV got Dolby Atmos, which is a pretty small update. And all this stuff starts rolling out the day after this show publishes. Not all of it. I mean, they, they're kind of like Mojave is going to come out a week later, which is great because next week we're going to talk about Mojave and the Mac Power users. But the um, but it's all coming out, and it is kind of like the Christmas season. Uh, interestingly, the iPhone 10R is not releasing until October. So if you want to get the second tier phone, you've got to wait a month. Uh, do you th- I think that that's because of? Um um delay or um it's a new phone they probably have to ramp up production i'm sure there's always you know if you remember last year the iphone 10 didn't ship for like a month 
later as well. I remember. And so pro tip to people who are on the upgrade cycle and may want to upgrade from the 10 to 10S, you you might have to prepay a month or two on your contract before you're eligible to upgrade because I think you have to be 12, 12 months in. Well, I, for one, cannot wait to get my iPhone 10S Super Retina Max so I can send Katie Floyd the best Animoji that have ever been made. I'm going to, my Animoji game is going way up when I get that new phone. That's the reason I'm buying it. And then I can walkie talkie you about it afterwards. Block. Thanks to our sponsors, Timing, Smile, Gazelle, Squarespace. Uh, it was a fun day. Another great announcement from Apple and lots of cool stuff. Uh, we will see you all next week.